Welcome. I'm Leslie Cannon. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Welcome to the Compliance Divas podcast. My name is Mary Gavoni, and I will be moderating this episode. We thank you for joining us. The Compliance Divas monitors all of the regulatory world to help you navigate what's going on in infection prevention and regulatory compliance and keep you on course. You can find our podcast on your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. Any of the resources that we mentioned during this episode will be on the resource page on our website, again, thecompliancedivas.com. And if you have any questions or would like some follow-up from one of the divas from this podcast, you can email us at support at thecompliancedivas.com. Several weeks ago, we recorded a podcast on the monkeypox virus and what has been happening out there in the world of infection control and how this is affecting us globally and, of course, in this country and dentistry. And the number of cases are increasing. We've actually had a death now in the U.S. from monkeypox. And Leslie, our diva from California, of course, is in one of the hot spots for monkeypox diseases. So Leslie, can you give us an update on monkeypox and where we stand and what we need to know? Hey, Mary, it is really interesting to know that on our last podcast on monkeypox, just a few weeks ago, as you mentioned, we had about 300 cases of monkeypox in California. Well, now we have well over 4,300 cases. And nationwide, there are 22,744 as of uh, today's listing on the CDC website. One of the things that comes to mind about monkeypox is that because it is something that is being talked about on the news, we want to make sure that we're well acquainted with the symptoms and also be able to recognize if we have a patient who may be exhibiting the signs and symptoms of monkeypox. So just a, a brief little rundown on the CDC website. It's easy to find a page that gives you signs and symptoms on monkeypox. And really it says that basically people with monkeypox get a rash that could be located on or near the genitals, but it could also be on other areas like the hands, feet, chest, face, or mouth. And the rash goes through several stages, including scabs before healing. And the rash can initially look like pimples or blisters and may be painful or itchy. There are other symptoms that CDC gives us is fever, chills, swollen lymph glands, exhaustion, muscle aches, backache, headache, and then respiratory symptoms such as a sore throat or nasal congestion or even a cough. Now, uh, sometimes these respiratory symptoms might in indicate or, or look like they indicate a patient has COVID. And I know we ask our patients the COVID questions if they're experiencing any of those symptoms upon screening them. And in California, screening patients is still required where it may not be required in other states. Monkeypox is considered 
also to be an aerosol transmissible disease. So I want our listeners to know that this is something that our patients are hearing a lot about on the news and they may ask questions like, can I get monkeypox from touching a surface that maybe another patient touched or by sitting in the dental chair, if they had monkeypox on their body, could I get it? And of course we want our dental team to be well-versed in responding to questions about infection control by citing that we use disinfectants that are EPA registered. We use mostly intermediate level disinfectants that work very well against viruses and bacteria and that we use them after every patient. So we should be not only well aware of, of what kinds of questions patients may ask us about monkeypox, the symptoms or how they could get it, but also be prepared to tell them what a great job we're doing in dentistry to prevent that infection transmission from occurring. Great information, Leslie. And I'm so glad you mentioned that it is considered to be an airborne transmissible disease. And I just want to re-emphasize what you had said about screening patients, because We've been so focused on screening patients for respiratory symptoms because of COVID, but we also have other types of infectious diseases that we need to screen for. And the bottom line is we should always be asking our patients questions um, about whether or not they have respiratory symptoms. And if they do, then we shouldn't be seeing them because they may be infectious, not just for COVID, but for other things in, um, in the dental office during treatment. And one one of the other concerns that we've seen that has resurged recently is polio. Many of our listeners may have heard that in the state of New York, polio was polio virus was identified in wastewater. So if the virus is identified in wastewater, that means that there are people with polio infections that are shedding that virus. That's how it's getting into the into the wastewater. And we have a lot of people, young children primarily, who are not vaccinated for a number of infectious diseases like measles and or polio because of the anti-vaccine sentiment that's been popular in, in the last few years. So we need to be concerned about that. Polio, of course, can cause paralysis, can cause some serious side effects. And so any of our listeners who are healthcare workers should absolutely be up to date on their polio vaccine because it's a potential threat. Now, the other thing that we wanted to bring to our listeners' attention is a study, and we will give you the link so you can go and, and read this study, but a study done by um, the National Institute for Health and published in Nature magazine talks about enteric viruses, which are like noroviruses or gastrointestinal viruses that people will call the stomach flu, not meant to be protected from, from an influenza vaccine. That's a respiratory virus and, and a vaccine for respiratory symptoms. But these tend to spread very, very easily. And until this study, the belief was that the mode of transmission was fecal oral. So that if someone went to the bathroom and they didn't wash their hands or didn't wash them adequately, and then they touched or prepared food that other people were going to, to consume, say in a family or maybe a worker in a restaurant, then people can get sick if there is virus 
in some of that food that's consumed. But this study suggests that these viruses can also be spread through saliva. So if that's the case, that's just one more thing that we need to be concerned with, that saliva and aerosolized saliva or contact with saliva may cause other things other than respiratory infections. And last Friday, the, um, the CDC, through its Health Alert Network, issued a multi-state bulletin, a healthcare warning to healthcare providers about severe respiratory illnesses that are associated with rhinoviruses. That happens a lot of times when kids are first going back to school for the school year, but also, again, enteroviruses, which have been including symptoms of what is called AFM, which is acute flaccid myelitis. So these kids get these gastrointestinal viruses and then they start experiencing muscle weakness and some paralysis. We saw this happen a couple of years ago in Minnesota where there were a number of cases and some of the paralysis in some of these pediatric patients did not resolve. So we really need to always be on the alert, screening patients, looking for signs or symptoms and talking, especially in a pediatric practice, talking to parents about what is the state of the health of their, their kiddos. So Leslie, I think you're going to talk a little bit about what's coming up next week. Is that correct? That's right, Mary. I'm very excited as an OSAP member. For those of you who don't know what OSAP is, that's the Organization for Safety of Sepsis and Prevention. And this month, OSAP has declared September to be Dental Infection Control Awareness Month. There's a, a little acronym, we call it DICAM. And this month on Dental Infection Control Awareness Month, the compliance divas are going to take over OSAP social media. It will happen on uh, September 20th, which is a Tuesday. And we're going to be giving some great tips on infection control and prevention, some do's and don'ts. Our focus is going to be on instrument processing. And we have seen a lot of bloopers in our collective years of consulting on-site and dental offices. We have some interesting pictures to share and some tips, and we hope that you'll take some time to look at the OSAP website up on Instagram and on their Facebook account. But we're very excited about that. And I just wanted to mention one more thing, Mary. We're now starting to get our dental practices to get closer to the level of production and patient flow that they were before COVID. Our patients expect us to be masters of infection control. For those team members who are newer to dentistry, OSAP is the great place for them to get the education and training and information that they need. Seasoned healthcare workers as well can get great information. And uh, again, the focus this month is dental infection control, where there are sections on hand hygiene and dental unit water. And our next week is going to be instrument processing. And then the final week is going to be on personal protective equipment. Let's make sure that we equip our dental team members with the knowledge that they need and the tools to access that knowledge. 
So OSAP is a great place to get it. Also, with our podcast of the Compliance Divas, we have little segments, 15 minutes to 20 minutes. In some cases, we go almost 30 minutes of some valuable information. It's easy to listen to and enlightening and educational. And of course, we always provide resources to back what we're saying. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, Mary, to wrap up our podcast. Thanks, Leslie. And again, we're very excited about our Takeover Tuesday with OSAP next week. Please look for us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope that you also will join us on the next episode of our podcast. And as always, the resources will be located on the resource page on the ComplianceDivas.com website. If you have questions or feedback for us, we certainly appreciate feedback from our listeners. You can send it to us through email at support at the compliance divas.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.